Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. We're in John's Gospel at the moment, doing a series of talks based on John's Gospel. Mark started last week, and all over the summer, we'll be taking a chapter from John's Gospel, uh, a chapter in the morning, and then the next chapter uh, in the evening. And this morning, we land in John chapter 3, one of the best known chapters in the whole of the Scriptures, if not the best known chapter in the whole of the Scriptures. John 3, beginning to read at verse 1. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher? Are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and we bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Anan near Salem, because water was plentiful there, and people were coming and being baptized.
for John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing, and all are going to him. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to it that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Let's pray again. Father, we do ask that this morning you would be very real and that, Lord, your word would take a, a deep uh, rootedness in our lives this morning, we pray, for Christ's sake. Amen. So this morning, chapter 3, I've given this uh, talk this morning the title, Jesus the Teacher. It contains, as I've already said, and as you uh, may well be very familiar with the most well-known verses of the whole of the Bible. John 3, verse 3, where Jesus answers Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And then, of course, John 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. These verses, these two verses contain so, so much. They remind us that we're part of a world, that we're part of a people that are separated from God because of sin, and that the whole human race is impacted by that separated from God because of mankind's disobedience to God. But a world not left on its own, a world not left unloved, but a world so loved by God that he gave himself, that he gave his son, that he gave Jesus to come into this world to pay the price, to take upon himself the sins of the whole world, including my sin and shame and wrong and, and yours. Those who believe get to spend eternity in heaven with 
the Lord Jesus. Those who do not believe are separated from Christ and from God forever in that place that the Bible describes as hell. These are two great verses. I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Verse 16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Two incredible verses that capture so, so very much. But because of that, I think we can sometimes forget the context in which they're set. And, and this declaration that Jesus is not only Savior, but that Jesus is our teacher as well. A teacher come from God. Verses 1 and 2, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. The same came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. Nicodemus's declaration that Jesus is a teacher. Now, we know a number of things about Nicodemus. We know that he was a, a very learned person, that he was in his own right a, a teacher. In fact, the ESV version would suggest that the original Greek would suggest that actually Nicodemus was the teacher of Israel, that he was the most important teacher in Israel at that particular time. He certainly was a very learned man and a very learned teacher, a pious, a pious Jewish religious teacher. He, he was different as well, we see in these verses from the type of Pharisees that it would seem were all too common in the days of Jesus, who had a, a real aura of pretense about how they went about life, standing on street corners, praying long prayers to be heard by people. Nicodemus doesn't fall it would seem into that particular category. He's no fool. He's a member, we're told, of the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin. That was a group of 70 uh, men, lay men and clerical leaders who had jurisdiction over every Jewish person upon the face of the earth. So he's, he's up there among the important Jewish rulers of his day. He's certainly up there among the learned teachers of his day. He's an educated man. He's a teacher. As I said, possibly the most well-known Jewish teacher of his day. And it's quite something, therefore, that he would come to Jesus, that he would bother to come at all to Jesus, is in itself quite something. But he also comes very respectfully to Jesus, calling Jesus Rabbi. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher sent from God. There's real respect there in the way that Nicodemus addresses Jesus. He's expecting something by way of an exchange of intellectual ideas. That's what religious teachers did in those particular days. But what happens is actually something that would have taken him by surprise in the way that Jesus responds to him. Rabbis in those days had a saying. 
And the saying went something like this, that a, a proselyte, that's someone who would move from being a Gentile to being a Jew and who would embrace Judaism, was like a newborn baby. That was a, a saying that they had. So Nicodemus is also somebody that recognizes that deep within the very psyche, in the very heart of humankind, there is that need for a new beginning, that there's need for change. But Nicodemus's problem is not that there is that need, but how does it happen? And so he says in verse 4, how can a man be born again when he is old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. He's expressing here the, the heart cry really of humankind down through the generations to our, to our own very, very day, summed up in the words of Tennyson, uh, the poet who I don't very often uh, quote, uh, and, and I'm not particularly into poetry. Any of you that know me would know that, but I thought this was a great quote. He said, Oh, for a man to rise in me that the man I am might cease to be. Let me read that again. Oh, for a man to rise in me that the man I am might cease to be. There's captured in that, I think, what Nicodemus understood and what Jesus is putting his finger on, that there is the need in every human heart for radical transformation and change that we cannot work up, that we cannot do by our own efforts, that we cannot do by just uh, our own learning or our own education, but actually it's something miraculous that God does in us by His grace and by the power of His Holy Spirit. Mark actually captures the same thing in his gospel when he said in verse 15 of chapter 10, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. There's no way that anyone, not anyone, not the very best, not the most able, can earn God's forgiveness. There's no way that we can make ourselves right with God by our own actions. And that's offensive in our culture today. That's offensive in our Western so, sort of culture where, where, where we're the center of our own world and where we can determine our, our own future. Actually, the gospel uh, contradicts that and, and stands at opposite, at, at, in complete opposition to that. It's a, a work of God's grace. It's a work of God's goodness. The new birth, becoming a, a Christian is always something miraculous, quite literally, something miraculous that God does. Nicodemus, a, a great teacher, uh, has been sitting at the feet of the greatest teacher, Jesus, and he doesn't ask why he needed to be born again, he asks how. He knew that his learning, that his status, that his good name, that none of these 
in themselves could affect that restoration, that transformation that needs to happen in the heart of a human being who has been born separated from God by sin. All of us, including Nicodemus, including the very best of middle class, upper class people in our culture today, the, including the very best of Western culture or culture anywhere else today. We all need a supernatural work of grace. We all need to be born again of God's Holy Spirit. And it's something supernatural that God does in us from outside. God comes from outside and does a work within us, inside us by His grace and by the power of His Holy Spirit. The great preacher, George Whitfield, was once asked, why do you always preach that we must be born again? Because, he replied, we must be born again. Uh, there's a reality there that all of us need to, to grab hold of, particularly uh, in our culture today. And Nicodemus he wanted to know how. His question was, how? And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of God, unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wills, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Interestingly, in this chapter, John very wonderfully and cleverly and, uh, well, guided by the Spirit of God, introduces us at the end of this chapter to the ministry of John the Baptist. And that's not by accident. That's not insignificant, because John the Baptist's ministry was that he would preach repentance, that he would call people to repent of their sin and to be baptized. Now, most of the religious people in the days of John the Baptist and in the days of Jesus were offended by the preaching of John the Baptist. The Pharisees, in particular, were offended by his, teacher, by his teaching, and few of them would have gone out to have been baptized by John. But here we read that Jesus brings Nicodemus back to the message of John the Baptist, which is a, a message that involves a need for water, a need for washing, a need for cleansing, a need to repent. And it's Wonderful when you begin to think about it, that the waters in a mother's womb break, and then a little baby is born. You get the phone call. If you're a grandparent, the waters have broken, and you're on tender hooks for the rest of the day, or whatever it happens to be, uh, and the baby is born. The baby is born. To be born again, there is something that involves symbolically water, and it's Repentance. It's that we repent of our sin, that we acknowledge that we've been born with a sinful, self-centered nature, that we live without God, that we live 
for ourselves and that we need to be born again and that that involves repentance. I tell you the truth, verse 5, Jesus answered, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of the Spirit. To be made spiritually alive, there's a work of God's Spirit that needs to happen in us. The Holy Spirit comes to indwell us. We accept the salvation of the Lord Jesus. We believe in the death of Christ. We believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we ask, having repented of our sin, that Christ would be the Savior of our lives and the Lord in our lives, and that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit of the living God. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Nicodemus finds himself this incredible teacher that he was in the presence of the greatest of all teachers, and he's bewildered. And he says in verses 9 and 10, how can this be? And Jesus replies, you are Israel's teacher, and you do not understand these things. And what follows then from the lips of Jesus is Jesus explaining to Nicodemus quite literally who he is, who the Christ is, who the Savior of the world is, who he is as Jesus. Verse 11 to 15, I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came down from heaven. The Son of Man, here he's speaking of himself, of course. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, here he's speaking of the cross, of course. That everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus is making it clear he's come to live among men and women and to live in this world as a man. He has come to reveal and to teach what no one else could reveal or teach. But more than that, he's come to do what no one else could do, to bear the sins of the whole world, to go to a cross and to bear the sins of the whole world, including yours and mine. And then to rise from the grave so that you and I could have the gift of eternal life and a place with him in heaven. He would pay the price. He would make the perfect offering for the sins of the whole world so that instead of eternal death, we would have eternal life. Lifted up on the cross, then raised from the tomb to life. Later, ascended back to glory to reign forever with his Father. One day, he will return for his own. He is, in this chapter, yes, the world's Savior, but he is also the world's greatest teacher. God so loved the world that he gave 
his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things unless God is with him. He's an incredible teacher. Friends, when Bishop Harlot Synod on whatever day, Wednesday or Thursday past, uh, made his last uh, Synod address, he, he identified eight things that he wanted the church to be thankful for, but that he wanted us to move forward with. And one of them was that he said that in the Church of Ireland, we're not bad at bringing people to faith, but we're maybe not as good at discipling them. Let's remember that he's not just the Savior of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, but he is the teacher. We need to be those who grow and mature and become strong as followers of Jesus Christ in today's world. Christ is our teacher as well as our Savior. Be taught of him. Be taught by him for the glory of his name. Amen. Let's stand together. I'd just like to pray for us before we worship together. And, and it's important we try and will feel to give an opportunity that the sermon just doesn't stop, but that actually in our hearts then we respond. So as we worship this morning, will you please, with your heart and with your will, respond? Uh, and Part of maybe being helpful in that might be for somebody in our prayer ministry team to pray with you at the end. If you think that that would just strengthen your response, then please allow them to pray with you. Uh, they would count that a privilege to do that at the end this morning. So Lord, we just ask that Holy Spirit, you would increase your presence in this place as we worship you. Holy Spirit, more of your presence more of your presence, more of your presence, more of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, more of the truth of who God is, impart to us, we pray, more of your grace and more of your truth. Lord, I, I pray that everyone in church this morning will make very, very certain and very, very sure that they have been born again of your Spirit through believing in Jesus and repenting of our sin. And then God, be our teacher. Be our teacher. Help us to put down deep roots to become strong, strong disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.